And now, Greenlight Reviews, hosted by Ann Elder and Les Roberts. Hello and welcome to Greenlight Reviews. Mm-hmm. I'm Les Roberts. And I'm Ann Elder. Today, Anne, we're going to talk about a film directed by Joe Roth, who used to be a mm-hmm. studio executive. Right. And starring some pretty big people, Samuel L. Jackson, Julianne Moore, and Edie Falco, among others. The film is called Freedomland. Yes, indeed, it is. When her little boy disappears and is believed to be dead, the Julianne Moore character, Brenda Martin, comes to the police. Samuel L. Jackson is a cop named Lorenzo Council, and she blames an African-American man from the projects in New Jersey for the kidnapping and the disappearance of the baby. That puts, of course, Detective Council into an investigative mood. He's trying to find this child in addition to trying to keep the people in the projects from rioting because they feel that they're being blamed unnecessarily Uh because they are, of course, African-American people. That's the story, and that's really all I have to say about it right now. (laughs) At one point, they go out and they investigate the crumbling ruins of an old orphan home from the early part of the 20th century, now falling apart and full of rats and things. And it was called Freedom Land. And I guess that's why the film got the name Freedom Land, but it had nothing to do with the movie. In fact, and very little that happened on screen had anything to do with the movie. I agree with you, Les. First of all, here's how I looked at this movie. See Julianne weep. See Julianne sob. See her stammer, stutter. See Julianne Moore overact. Then see Samuel Jackson weep and sob and stammer and stutter and overact. This is a seriously bad movie. It is terminally ponderous, and it features an extremely painful and headache-inducing performance by the usually reliable Julianne Moore. I have to agree with you. Wow. She cries every second she is on the screen. Enough already. It's a terrible, terrible movie. What went wrong? Well, let's start with the casting, and I've just said it. Julianne Moore, she's just too elegant to play this kind of a character. She's a street-smart doper. This does not fit Julianne Moore's persona at all. She also looks like she hasn't washed her hair for a year. Well, this is to let us know that she is playing a down-and-out woman. I mean, this is the way she's chosen to present herself in this portrayal. She is a movie star, God bless her, and I do usually enjoy what she does. I think she's a decent actress, but not in this kind of a role. She stretched herself way too thin. And Samuel Jackson, who is one of my favorite actors out there, so strangely approached the role of detective counsel. He screamed all the time. He screamed at this girl who had just lost her baby. Harangued her. He screams at the other cops. He screams at the black people. He screams at the white people. And in the middle of all of it, he suddenly has an asthma attack and he takes out his inhaler and he sucks on that for a while. He does that twice in the movie, but it's never referred to by anybody. I think that Sammy was saying, oh my God, I have nothing to do in this movie. I think I'll suck on this inhaler Inhaler for for a while. It was just awful. It was terrible. Now I want to move over to the script. First of all, we have a woman who reports that her kid has supposedly been kidnapped. By a carjacker. And she describes him as an African-American. The cops really don't believe her. The story involving her is really based on several news stories that came out basically about women who, unfortunately, have psychotic attacks. Julianne Moore is terribly, terribly unstable as a character. Mm -hmm. I don't want to give away too much, but let's face it. I don't care. I don't want anyone to see this movie anyway. (laughs) But what I was trying to say is that these are terrible, depressing 
unhappy, pitiful, pathetic stories in reality. Now the writers have taken that subject matter and devised a movie around it. And I have to tell you, it's so sad, I really couldn't stand the topic. Well, the trouble with the topic, Anne, is that they lay it out on the table for us to see, and then suddenly this becomes a race movie. I agree with you. The people in the projects are ready to riot, so we forget about the fact that there's a little four-year-old boy out there who may or may not be dead. Frankly, the priorities are all mixed up in this picture, and that's why it's a terrible failure. You can't do a movie where you have race relations thrown into the mix to make the film even more relevant somehow. It just doesn't work. Even though you could have all of those elements together, the writers did not prioritize here. So you are really confused. One minute you're supposed to be worried about this child who's missing. The next minute you're looking at blacks and whites who are simmering and ready to attack each other. And by the way, the director, Joe Roth, is clueless about how to stage scenes between the police and the black residents in the housing project. I mean, it looked like someone was staging a high school pageant. It was just god-awful. <laughs> Gosh, I hated this movie. It really was god-awful. Richard Price is a wonderful novelist. He wrote Clockers. Yes, he did. I remember that. And he wrote the book Freedom Land, and I thought, somebody screwed up this script terribly when they put it on the screen. I'll look and see who did it. Guess who? Yeah. Richard Price wrote the screenplay. I don't know what came over him, but this is an absolute abomination. It's it's just a dull, insulting movie. It is movie. a horrible movie. And by the way, the soliloquies that are written into the script are excruciating. Julianne Moore must talk for maybe seven or eight minutes. It's just ghastly the way she runs on and on and on. Then you have another long soliloquy by Edie Falco, who, in all fairness to Ms. Falco, she does have perhaps the most sympathetic role, and her performance is probably the best. But she's trying to get information out of Julianne Moore, and that was a rather interesting scene, I thought. But that's one scene out of two hours. Then Samuel Jackson, well, he wants his soliloquy at the end of the film, so he's allowed to go on and on and on without... I was reminded of the great soliloquy that Spencer Tracy did at the end of Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Yes. Except this was horrible. Absolutely horrible. You know, I'm not going to keep you in suspense any longer, Les. As far as Freedom Land is concerned, I am giving this a red light all the way. I wish... And that I could say, oh, you're wrong. It wasn't the greatest movie in the world, but Samuel Jackson is such a wonderful actor and Julianne Moore is so beautiful. But I can't say that because you're absolutely right. This is an avoid-at-all-costs movie. And you said something to me earlier, that the minute you saw Julianne Moore come out on the screen and announce, after about 10 minutes, talking about herself and so on, and then she goes, oh, and by the way, yes, my four-year-old son is in the back of the car that was just stolen. You just wanted to look at her and you wanted to choke her. There was nothing remotely likable or compassionate about this performance. Well, maybe you didn't understand what she said because she was crying so much. It's true. I was crying too. She began the movie crying. <laughs> she finished the movie crying. I was crying when I walked out of there. Big red light from me too, Anne. <laughs> I'm joining you. And again, what a waste making this movie and you're going to waste money if you go see it. So Great. please don't. Two red lights for Freedom Land. Until next time, I am Les Roberts. And I'm Ann Elder. And we're looking forward to seeing you having a great time at the movies. Hello, everyone. My name is Matt Neglia, and I am the host of the Next Best Picture podcast, part of the Film Entertainment Awards website, Next Best Picture. 
Bet.com. On our show, we explore all year long what is possibly going to win Best Picture at the Oscars. We do this by conducting interviews with people within the film industry, holding weekly reviews of the latest theatrical releases, and on our main show, where we dive into various different topics, answer your fan questions, and also do our best to explore Oscar history's past in hopes that it will tell us something new for this upcoming award season race. We hope that you will join us on all of the various podcasting networks. We look forward to seeing you over at nextbestpicture.com.